Well, every single one of us, uh, everybody here in London, everybody there in Somerset, everybody there in Williamsburg, and everybody out there, wherever you are watching right now, every single one of us need joy. Uh, The broadest among us need joy. Uh, The strongest among us need joy. The most independent among us need joy. The most successful, the most gifted, the most beautiful, the most wealthy among us. It doesn't matter where you fall along the spectrum of life. Every single one of us need joy because happiness isn't enough. Happiness is all about what happens, thus we call it happiness. It's all about what happens. And happiness is good and happiness is important and we all want to be happy. I believe that's part of the thumbprint of God on our lives. We all desire and want to be happy, but every single one of us, we need joy because happiness isn't enough. And happiness isn't enough because life is what it is. Uh, Life is up and life is down and life is unpredictable. It's uncontrollable and life is unavoidable. Uh, Life often has a way of throwing at us the things that we didn't want and didn't ask for. Can I get a witness? Uh, That's the way life works. Uh, Sometimes in life, things go our way, the ball bounces our way, but sometimes in life, uh, if you've lived long enough, you know that the ball doesn't always bounce our way. Uh, Sometimes in life, when life happens, uh, sometimes the doctor walks into the room and says, hey, I've got good news, and he smiles. Sometimes in life, the doctor walks in and shuts the door and says, I've got bad news. And he sits down and he begins to talk to you. Uh, Life is full spectrum. Uh, Life is all over the place. There's good and there's bad. And if you live life long enough, if you live life to the full, you're gonna experience good and bad. That's life, it's full spectrum. There's sickness and health in life. There's success and failure in life. And of course, we all know this, there's both life and death in life. That's life, life happens. And the very nature of life itself reminds us that we all need joy because happiness isn't enough. We need joy because happiness isn't enough because sometimes life happens and happiness gets interrupted. Happiness will never be enough because sooner or later, life, that other side of life, the dark side of life, the uninvited part of life, it, it knocks at our door. Sooner or later, and you may say you're happy today, and I'm glad, and I, I, I rejoice right alongside with you, and I applaud the fact that you would say, you know what, today I'm, I'm, just, I'm just happy. But I wouldn't be a very good person who does what I do unless I reminded all of us what we already know. Sooner or later, your happiness and mine will be interrupted by life. Happiness doesn't stand a chance when it comes to life because it's inconsistent, it's inconvenient, it's unavoidable. That's life. Now, sure, there's great moments in life, and I'm really glad. I'm glad for those moments when it couldn't be going better. You know, the business is strong. You know, we got money in the bank. You know, we just got out of debt. You know, everybody's healthy. And and it just seems like everything is just working out the way it's supposed to be working out. And and we're all glad for those moments. You know, we take a trip. It was the best thing ever. We went out to that dinner. It was the best meal ever. You know, it's it's just good times. One good time after another. And those moments are great moments and we should absolutely embrace them, receive them and treasure them. It's easy to move forward when the wind is at your back. It's easy to have happiness and to move forward when the wind is at your back, but it's joy. It's joy that allows us to move forward when the wind is in our face. 
It's easy to move forward when, you know, the skies are clear and the sun is out, but it's, a, it's another thing entirely to try to move forward when the skies go black. That's what joy does. Joy moves us forward when the wind is at our face and when the skies grow black and when the storms break out, that's when joy kicks in because joy is impervious to life. Joy is far surpassingly better than happiness because happiness gets interrupted by life, but joy does not. It is not inhibited in any way to what happens in life. Joy is even impervious to 2020. That's how big of a deal joy is. In, in the worst months of what some of you think your life has experienced, joy is impervious to it. Joy is facing all that life can throw at you, full spectrum, and having gladness, gladness, gladness. Everybody say gladness. Gladness in your heart and soul and mind, no matter what life throws at you. Joy, because that's what we're gonna be talking about for the next few weeks, joy isn't something that we experience in light of circumstances. It's something that we experience in spite of circumstances. So if you're a note taker, you put it in your phone or you write it down somewhere, uh, I would encourage you to either snap a photo or if you have the app, you can use the Creek Church app and all the notes are there and you can follow along that way as well or pick it up a little bit later. But here's a definition of joy that I think is gonna be helpful for the next few weeks. Joy is the steadfast confidence. It's just, it's not wavering, it's steadfast. It's the steadfast confidence that God is in control of all the details of my life. Every single one of them. God is ultimately in control of the details of my life and the settled assurance, this is what joy is, it's the settled assurance that ultimately everything is going to be all right. And, and here's what I wanna say to me, to you, to us, to everyone. If we believe this, if we really believe this, there's nothing that we can't face. There's nothing that we can't face. If we really believe this, there is nothing that we cannot endure. And not only endure it, but experience it as we endure it with gladness in our hearts, soul, and mind. This is what we believe as Jesus followers. This is what we believe as the church. This is what we believe as a group of people who believe that the scriptures are truth. And we believe this, or at least we're supposed to. And then we're supposed to respond to what we believe in face of whatever life throws at us. But for many of us who've been around the church, grew up in the church, we've experienced the church or Christians, when, when we look around at Christians in the past, because these days, one thing the governor's helped us do, we don't have to look at each other's face very much when we come to church, so we really don't know what's going underneath there. But back in the days, if you can remember before we wore masks to church, uh, but back in those days, you know, maybe the good old days, I don't know. I, I've yet to determine what I think about it yet. But in the days where we didn't wear masks and you would look around, you go to the restaurant, you know, and you would look around and, and you would just see folks, just in general, whether it was inside the church or outside the church, just people who looked miserable, miserable. Then you would come to church on Sunday and you would look around in many of the churches that we grew up in, you would look around and you would see long-faced, heavy-hearted, frowning Christians as though they had been constipated with sadness for a decade. Just terrible. And then, you know, everybody from the platform to the pews to, you know, the greeters, if there were some, you know, everybody just looks sad, just sad sacks of sadness. I mean, just, it, it was just, ah, uh, and, and there was just something wrong about that then, and there's something wrong about that now. We, many of us, we were taught or handed off a, a version of faith that was supposed to be, or at least we thought it was supposed to be somberistic, 
You know, you know, quote Habakkuk, you know, the Lord is in his holy temple, let everyone be silent. Very somber faith. It ended up, you know, we were trained to take everything and everyone too seriously. That was kind of being a Christian. We just take everything too seriously. Everyone too seriously. We're just too serious. We got too sophisticated to laugh. Too sophisticated to smile. Too sophisticated to have a good time. Too spiritual to have a good time. No one told us that part of having faith is, hey, you need to lighten up, pal. Give yourself permission to not take everything so seriously. We had to learn this the hard way just recently. We we went on vacation and, you know, judges if you want, but we went on vacation. And and so we went on vacation. I'm not gonna tell you that because you certainly would judge us, but we went on vacation and, and, you know, we didn't break any laws in going on vacation. I just want you to know that. And and so we, we dotted the I's and crossed the T's. But when we went on vacation, we were in the pool one day. And, and, you know, the boys, uh, they would have lunch and then, you know, they would want to treat after lunch sometime if, if they behaved. And, you know, we bribe our children. I wouldn't suggest that it's a great parenting thing, but we do dole out rewards. I, I do read about those in the Bible. So I, I figure it works for God, works for us. And, and so, you know, if you, if you behave, we're going to give you some rewards. And they said, well, can we have one of those daiquiris, you know, those strawberry daiquiris? And we're like, oh yeah, yeah. They make a kid version of those and, and it's great. And so after lunch, we were in the pool and all of a sudden, you know, we had ordered them, you know, some childhood daiquiris. And, and so the waitress comes in. It just so happens that Grayson, he's the one outside the pool at that moment. So he's up there getting his hat. He's got it turned around backwards and he wears these little European shorts. And so uh, he's just got a real look going on. And, and so, you know, the, the waitress brings in these two little childhood daiquiris and, and me and Allison Shepherd in the pool, we've, we've made some friends. We're over here socially distanced in the pool and, 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 and we're talking to our neighbors. And all of a sudden, you know, as loud as he can, he grabs the daiquiris and he starts walking back towards his mom and dad, one who's a pastor, the other a respected physician in the community, turns around, hat turn backwards, European short says, I got the alcohol. (laughs) And my first instinct was, oh God, no, it's not. You know, I wanted to reprimand him. I wanted to, would you sit down and shut up? If I could hit you now, I would, but we don't know these people. That's why you need to not say things like that. Sometimes you just gotta go with it. And sometimes you just gotta lighten up and you can't take yourself or what you do or who you are so seriously that you just can't have a good laugh. Now, that's probably all you're gonna remember from the sermon today. But if you don't remember anything else, just lighten up. Listen to what the proverb says. It says, a glad heart makes a happy face. Isn't that good? I wish a lot of people that I grew up with had read that verse. A glad heart makes a happy face. Christians should be the people known to be the happiest and have the greatest laughter and the best sense of humor. But why is it that it's been otherwise for so many of us in our experience? So I know some, some, some people who have joy. Well, why is that the exception and not the rule? That's the problem. Joy has become the exception and not the rule. Galatians 5, if God gave out medals for virtues, in Galatians 5, uh, joy won the silver, silver medal. You know, he says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. Joy came in second place, if there's a second place. It's a big deal. 
And the reason I want to talk about joy for the next few weeks is one, because of 2020, one, because of what we're going through, one, because of what I hear and see in the lives of so many people, including our own. I I want us to be our best versions of ourselves, and joy does that for us. It makes us better at life. It makes us better people of faith. And so let's just start here with this idea that joy is possible. It's not impossible. It's not too far-fetched. It's not irrational. It's It's possible. You don't have to forfeit your joy. I don't have to. You don't have to forfeit it to worry, uh, worrying about what may or may not happen. You know, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? Is the economy is going to bounce back up? Or the stocks? Oh, what about November? What's going to have the election? You think there's really a chip inside those vaccines? I don't know. What, uh, what's going to happen? I don't know. And you just worry, 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 worry. You don't have to forfeit joy to worry. You don't have to do that. You don't have to forfeit it to stress, the strain of what you can or can't control. You don't have to forfeit it to fear, you know, the dread about possible pain or danger or, or anything like that in life. You don't have to forfeit it to envy, you know, going around taking score, look at what they got. Look, man, they bought, a, they bought a, another new car. How do they afford another new car? You know, we've never had a new car, you know, and, and all of a sudden you've lost joy because it's scorekeeping. Who's got this? Who doesn't have that? You don't have to forfeit it to anger, you know, frustrating. Uh, frustration about, you know, people who don't measure up the standards, you know, you're just angry. Life doesn't have to be that way. Joy is possible. Life doesn't have to be reduced to tasks, work, and effort. It's not impossible. It's not unattainable. Joy is possible. Your story doesn't have to win. Your history doesn't have to win. Circumstances, they don't have to win. Joy is possible. Another thing is this, joy is essential. Uh, It's the thing that brings, uh, as one writer said, texture and flavor to life. Without joy, our minds begin to be closed off. Without joy, our hearts begin to be closed off. And and the alternative to joy is just not misery. But what I see happen so often is the alternative to joy is just being numb. Nothing really touches you anymore. Nothing really gets you excited anymore. The things that used to, man, you would experience that, your son, your daughter, the way they would make you feel, you haven't felt that way in years. The way your spouse used to make you feel, you haven't felt that way in years. The way that your faith used to make you feel, you haven't felt that way with year, in years. I mean, it's just, you've just grown numb. And it's not that you're walking around miserable. You just, you're just walking around absent of joy. Uh, joy is the thing that will help us all relax and release the tension because we've all got it. We all experience it on some level. This, this has not been an easy season of life on, on any of us for very different reasons. And some of us, we've experienced it entirely differently than other people, but it's been difficult in its own way in everyone. And this is just a slice of our life. And there's a much bigger picture to life that we must, we must all learn how to deal with if we're gonna have joy so that we don't become slaves to circumstances. Joy, it's essential because that's where laughter comes from. It's where smiles come from. Um, it makes our burdens lighter. It, it helps us to hang in there when things get tough. Uh, joy is the thing that'll make, you know, like I said, you better. It'll make your marriage better. It, it'll make you just, it'll make you a better parent. It'll make you a better employer. It'll make you a better employee. Joy is just going to make you better across the board. It's going to be the thing that helps you and helps me and helps us make the most out of the rough, tough situations of life. Uh, Helen Keller, she actually said the favorite thing that I've read in recent weeks about joy. She said that joy is the fire that keeps our purpose warm. It's the fire that keeps our purpose warm because you, you lose joy, you lose your sense of purpose, but you get joy, it keeps your sense of purpose hot and you stay passionate about purpose. And so it's essential, but it's also optional. 
That is to say, it's a choice. Don't spiritualize joy and say, well, that's just who I am. You know, I'm just not a happy person. I just don't smile. I've never been a big laugher. You know, I just, I, I, don't spiritualize it or try to, you know, give some kind of excuse. It's not personality driven. It's not income driven. It's not contingent on how pretty or how ugly you are. It's not contingent on any of those things. Joy is impervious to circumstances and to all of those variables. Uh, if, you, if you've ever experienced a very wide circle of people, you know that the happiest and most joyful people are rarely the richest, the prettiest, and the most gifted. Rarely, for some reason. So it, it has nothing to do with that. So don't fall into the trap and say, well, if we just made more money, I think I'd be happier. Or if we would just, you know, maybe if I could switch this and change that and go here or move there, get that, you know, that I would be joyful. That's not true. Joy is a choice, and if you want joy, you have to choose it. So choose joy. Choose to savor the simple moments of life. <laughs> Instead of being too sophisticated or too spiritual, you know, to have a good time or to have a good laugh, just lighten up. Enjoy family, enjoy friends, enjoy faith. Uh, there's an old poem, poem that says, one ship sails east and one ship sails west regardless of how the winds blow. It's the setting of the sail and not the gale that determines the way they should go. It's how you set your sail, it's how I set my sail. It's a choice to be made and it doesn't matter which way the wind blows. It's the setting of the sail and not the gale that determines the way that you and I and we will go. So let's set our sails towards joy. Because if nothing else, Proverbs says, listen to this, for the despondent, every day brings trouble. In other words, they get what they're looking for. But for the happy of heart, life is a continual feast. It means you can have a party no matter what's going on. You can celebrate, you can have gladness in your heart no matter what's going on. You've set yourselves for joy. Proverbs 17, says a cheerful heart is good medicine. It's good for you. I mean, it's just good sound medicine, but a broken spirit saps a person's strength. So honest question. Do you have joy? Really, honestly, do you have joy? When's the last time you've just busted a gut laughing? When's the last time that even though everything was just fantastic in life, but yet you were still able to have a good time because there was just some kind of unexplainable joy down there on the inside? Do you have that? Have you been experiencing that? Is that, is that part of your normal rhythm? Or have you gotten to the place where you just take everything so seriously? You're always on the verge, easily triggered, You've watched too much television, listened to too much radio, entertained too many conspiracy theories that all of a sudden now all the joy has just oozed from your life. That's not the way it's supposed to be for people of faith. It's not the way it's supposed to be. See, when you follow Jesus, you find joy. That's, that's, that's a thing that we find in the scripture that is so clear that when you follow Jesus, you find joy. That Christ is our way of life. He, he sets the rhythm for our life. Jesus was a person of joy. I don't know how you picture Jesus, but, but Jesus, he had joy. The very night that Jesus was gonna be betrayed, the very night that he was gonna be arrested, in the shadows of his suffering, in the shadows of the cross, Jesus gathered his disciples in the upper room and listen to what he said to them. He says, I have told you this, all the things that I've told you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. I've told you that my joy is now your joy and your joy is gonna grow and become complete, or it's gonna actually become such a reality that it overflows into every compartment of your life. 
Jesus was staring at the cross. Jesus was staring at all the suffering that he was about to go through. And he said, you know what? I've still got joy. His joy was impervious to the circumstances of life. Jesus refused for his joy to be interrupted by the worst that life could throw at him. And Jesus said, that type of joy that I've got in the face of the cross, in the face of what I'm about to go through, I'm giving it to you. It's yours. My joy is now in you. I have deposited it in you. And now if you will lean into it and choose it, that's the type of joy that you can have. The type of joy that no matter what the circumstance is, no matter what the situation is, you can have that type of joy. So Jesus, he had joy on the front side of the cross so that we could have joy on the back side of the cross. Uh, that, that's, what, that's what he did, that's what he had. He chose joy in, in the face of the worst that life had to offer. And Jesus said, my joy can be your joy. That's the type of joy that I'm offering you. So Jesus would say, do you receive that type of joy? And I think we would say, yeah, we, we receive that type of joy. Um, you know what? I'm not ready for you yet. <laughs> I'm not there yet. Uh, I just want to let you know, uh, it's all right. It's your first Sunday back. Uh, sorry, but thank you. You gotta take it as it comes, right? That's just the way it is. All right, so Jesus said, you can have joy. Are you gonna receive it or not? And so Jesus said, you can have joy on the back side of the cross because I had joy on the front side of the cross. That's, that's the type of joy that I'm offering you. And so we see this joy in Jesus, but we see it modeled, I think, in the followers of Jesus, most clearly in the guy uh, that we call the Apostle Paul. Uh, Paul was a guy who faced the full spectrum of life, full spectrum of life but yet he did not give in to the worst of life. He did not forfeit his joy in the face of the headwinds of life. That, that wasn't Paul. Uh, we see Paul cheered on one hand, stoned on the other. We, we see him on one hand respected, but on the other hand hated. He experienced it all, but he never lost his joy. And there's one particular letter, and it's the letter we're gonna stick with for the remainder of this series. Uh, a letter that he wrote to a group of Christians in Philippi. We call it the book of Philippians. And he wrote 104 verses, 104 verses, all about joy. 104 verses all about joy. And when he writes this letter to this, this group of Christians, he is in prison. He, he's in jail himself. And so again, he refuses to allow the circumstances of life to rob him of his joy. It was in Philippi 10 years before he wrote this letter when he founded the church there that he and Silas were beaten and put in prison. But at midnight, you might remember in Acts chapter 16, at midnight, they were singing praises to God. I mean, who does that? You're beaten, you're bloodied, you're bruised, you're in stocks and bonds, but yet at midnight you're singing. Who does that? A person with joy. And so it's Paul who writes a letter to this group of Christians 10 years later uh, he moved on, started other churches, and he writes a letter back to them from jail. And from jail, he writes to them about joy. And, and so let me give you a couple of verses that kind of sets the tone for where we're gonna be at for the next few weeks. He says, whatever happens, whatever happens, say whatever, whatever happens, fill in the blank, whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. And when a guy's writing from prison and says that, you can take him seriously. He says in chapter four, verse four, he says, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. He says, I'm gonna repeat it because I know you need to hear it again. You need to hear it, I need to hear it as much as humanly possible. 
So Paul, he, he's gonna teach us about how to choose joy because sometimes it feels like a big choice. It feels like a super spiritual choice. It, it feels like something that's mystical, but sometimes it can be incredibly powerful because it's so practical, this choice of joy. Listen to how Paul begins his letter. He says, may God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. That's kind of a normal welcome. That's how he welcomes these, these people that he hasn't really talked to in close to a decade. He wishes them grace from above and peace from within. Because if you want joy in your life, you receive grace from above and peace from within. Paul had received that. He wanted the same for them. And then he says this. He says, every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. He's in prison, he's either writing this by hand or he's dictating this to one of his, his comrades in the ministry. But whichever way, I can just imagine that Paul, he kind of cracks a smile, maybe even chuckles. Every time I think of you folks, it's nothing but good memories. Every time that I think about you, a little smile comes to my face. I, I just, when I think of you, I give thanks. And, and what's so interesting about this is that Paul, there's no nursed ill will in his heart. There's no unresolved conflicts going on. There's no grudges, no bitterness that he's held on to. There's nothing that happened way back when that he's refused to let go of. There's nothing that he hasn't tried to fix that needed to be fixed. And when he thinks back about this group of people, man, he just says, <laughs> I just, I'm so grateful every time I think about you. Every time I think about you, it's just a good old feeling down in my heart. He could look back with a smile and he could laugh at their good times and even the not so good times. He harbored no hurt and he rehearsed no resentment in his life about this group of people, which teaches us something really important. There's nothing that will kill joy like broken relationships. There's nothing that will kill joy like harboring hurt against someone or rehearsing resentment or the reasons why you're upset or the reasons why they let you down or the reasons why this or that. There's no joy in that. Paul, he resolved whatever needed to be resolved because no relationships are perfect. He got over whatever he needed to get past. I'm sure there were some people that disappointed him. I'm sure he disappointed some people back there. He moved past all of that. And when he thought of them, he said, I am so grateful for you folks. The reason some of us can't ever get to the place of joy is because ever once in a while, or maybe quite frequently when we think of them or we think of that, all of a sudden it all comes back to us and we're just back there in the middle of all that hurt and resentment and anger and unforgiveness. But Paul said, no, when I think about you folks, man, I'm grateful. Is there anybody in your life, anybody in my life that when you think about or they come to mind or you bump into them at the, at the grocery store or you bump into them at the ball field and from across the way, you're like, oh man, oh. And all of a sudden you feel it all over again. Paul says, when I think about you, I'm just grateful. He said, I don't have time to play those type of games in life. I, I wanna be a person who chooses joy and I can't choose joy and hold on to all that garbage at the same time. He knew that good memories of good friends in the past could make the present just a little bit more bearable. And so he chose to relive the good days of the past, not the bad. And that's what's so key to every single one of us is that if we wanna have joy in the present, there's gotta be some people in our life that when we think of, boy, they bring a smile to our face. They make us feel good on the inside. It doesn't seem spiritual, but Paul said, when I think about you, I'm just, I'm just grateful. He goes on to say, he says, so it is right that I should feel as I do about all of you all, for I have, you have a very special place in my heart. He says, God knows how much I love you and long for you with the tender compassion of Christ Jesus. Paul felt deeply about these people. He loved them deeply. 
And, and here's the thing, and, and he doesn't speak to them in cliche. He doesn't speak to them the way that sometimes we try to speak to the people in our life. I mean, he just tells them how he feels. He, he tells them, this is what you mean to me. You know what I, I think we see in this? I think we see that Paul is trying to demonstrate and be a model and example to say, if you wanna feel some joy, the people that you are grateful for in your life, the people that bring a smile to your face in your life, tell them why they're warm, why they matter to you. Don't stand up on the day of their funeral and don't do it at the wake after the funeral and don't do it in the days following their funeral and say it to other people about how you felt about them but never told them. There's something about telling the people that you care about, that you care about them, that brings joy to your heart. There's something about expressing those feelings that sometimes we're a little reluctant to share. While we respect someone, appreciate someone, care for someone, by telling them there's something that releases joy in our hearts, but when we hold on to that stuff, it, it just kind of keeps joy at bay. Paul says, listen, I'm grateful for you and I'm gonna tell you how I feel. And I think Paul would say, if you really wanna feel some joy in your life, think about the people you're grateful for, think about the people who mean something to you, think about the people who've made a difference in your life and tell them, tell them why they're warm. Tell them. It's best just to tell them with your mouth, but if you, it has to be by text or if you want to write a letter, but just tell them and watch joy come alive in your heart. Because you know, you've done it a couple times in your life and every time you've done it, you just felt better, didn't you? You were a little nervous and your heart was beating. You felt like an idiot afterward. And you were like, well, I bet they thought I was crazy. You know, I wonder what they were thinking. And they didn't really say anything back. It kind of was weird, but you still felt better about it right? And that's what Paul's saying. Tell the people you're grateful for that bring a smile to your face what they mean to you. Because good friends, Paul would say, make bad times better. Be grateful for them and tell them. Every follower of Jesus needs friends who are followers of Jesus. People who aren't perfect, but real. They're not fickle. They're not walled up and you can't get to the real them, but they're willing to go deep. They're willing to be your friend and they'll let you befriend them. They're gonna love the real you because you let them know the real you. And you're gonna love the real them because they're gonna let you know the real them. It's not gonna be the superficial cleaned up version of them or you. It's gonna be real. And when you think about those people, because hopefully you have those people, when you think about those people, a smile's gonna come to your face. You're gonna fill it down deep. And when you tell them how you feel about them, when you tell them what they mean to you, Paul says, that's when joy starts. That's about as practical as you can get, Paul would say, about bringing some joy into your life and to mine. I think he would say, if you wanna be joyful, be grateful. If you wanna be joyful, be grateful. Be grateful for the people in your life and tell them. That's what he would say. And then he moves to this, and this is the end of it. He says, I pray that your love will overflow more and more because the people you're grateful for and you care about, you pray for. He says, I'm gonna pray that you keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters. What a great prayer. Yeah, this is how he's praying for his friends. So that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. So he's praying for his friends. He's confident that his prayers are making a difference. He's praying that they live lives centered around what's most important. He prays for them to have insight rather than hindsight. That is to say that they learn the, the lessons of life easily, not in a difficult way from making the bad choices. That's how he prays for them. He says, may you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ, for this will bring much glory and praise to God. Question, 
Can you imagine having a group of friends in your life pray for you that way? Can you imagine praying consistently for the people that you love and care about in your life that way? Can you imagine what that would do in your heart, what that would do in their life, what that would do in your life when they pray for you? When you pray for them and you invest in the time and the effort, that's the way that you fight for them, that's the way that you root for them, that's the way that you cheer for them, and then you tell them, hey, I've been praying for you. Hey, I just want you to know, I've been praying for your family, I've been praying for you, I've been praying for your marriage, I've been praying for your kids. Man, I know this is a tough time, I just want you all to know I've been praying for you. Say, well, I don't talk to my friends that way. Well, maybe, I don't know. Maybe you should adopt some other things that you say to your friends. Maybe joy would be more real, Paul would say, if you would say some of those things. Well, it's just not who I am, Paul said. It doesn't have to do with who you are. It's a choice. If you want to be joyful, Paul would say, be prayerful. These two are so connected. If you want to be grateful, if you want to be joyful, be grateful and be prayerful. That's joy. It's living every day being grateful and praying for the people that you love and care about, that have meant something to you, that mean something to you, and it's with joy anticipating that your prayers make a difference in their life, and you can't wait to see the God who controls all of the details of their life, how God chooses to work their life for his good, for their good and for his glory, and you're just, you're just so excited about it. You're praying for them, and you can't wait to see what happens in the life of their kids because you've been praying for their kids their whole life. You've been praying for their marriage for years. You've been praying for their business for years, and every time something good happens, it's like, yes, it's making a difference, and joy happens. Paul says, this is how you have joy. So what is it that we see here, and this is where we end it. Gratitude and prayer dethrones the emotions that prevent joy. This is it. That's what we learned from this. If you're gonna choose joy, understand that gratitude and prayer dethrone the emotions that prevent joy. Anger, envy, worry, fret, all of that stuff, all of that stuff that just sucks joy out of life. When gratitude and prayer are part of our lives, it dethrones those emotions. Give it a, give it a try, try it. I think Paul would say it's, it's been tested and it's true. It's tested and true. And I think something else to bring it all together, when you are grateful and prayerful for the people in your life, it really does open the door for joy in your life. When, when you've got a list of things that you can write down, you say, God, I just want you to know I'm thankful for the grace of God. I, 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 that's, that's number one on my list always. God, I just want you to know I'm grateful for the grace of God. I, I don't even know how I am where I am. I don't even know how it is that I'm doing what I'm doing. I don't deserve to do what I'm doing. I'm not qualified to do what I'm doing. I'm not gifted enough to do what I'm doing. God, you're, you're, you're just so gracious to me. You've, treat, you've treated me better than I deserve. God, I'm so grateful for your amazing, marvelous grace. You've forgiven me and you see me better than I really am. And God, just, I'm, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for my family. I'm grateful for Allison. I don't deserve her. She's smarter than I am. She's better looking than I am. And I don't deserve her. And my boys, I love my boys. And man, it's the greatest contribution I feel like I've made to the world thus far. I'm, I'm thankful for my job. I, I love doing what I get to do. And I, I'm thankful for all of my friends. Oh my God, and list my friends and love the times and the conversation and what they do in my heart and my soul and for my, my well-being. And I hope I do the same for them. And God, I'm just, I'm just thankful for those things. And the part that I'm not great at and the part that 
I wanna just say, I'm gonna jump in there with you. I'm not good at just saying it sometimes. I'm not good at, you know, looking at somebody and saying, man, I just want you to know, I really appreciate you. I just, you you just mean a lot to me. That's not easy. But boy, I tell you, I wonder how much joy we give up by being so prideful and so resistant to those types of things. I wonder how much joy we could all invite into our lives if we would just tell people that we love, that we love them and why we love them. Because it may be the very thing they need to hear to keep on keeping on. Be grateful, be prayerful. Pray for them. Pray for the people in your life. Pray a blessing over them. You got a card on your seat today. For those of you online, we're gonna be releasing it. You can screenshot it. You can put it there on your phone, but a blessing you can pray over your family, over your friends. God, would you bless them? God, would you protect them? Would you smile upon them? Be gracious to them, extend your favor to them and give them your peace. And I challenge you this week, Tell the people who are a blessing in your life that they are a blessing in your life. Start praying for the people in your life and see if joy doesn't become more of a reality in your life. Heavenly Father, God, sometimes it's hard to step outside of ourselves, our personalities, our natural bents. But God, I do pray that as followers of Jesus, that all of us would make sure first we have followers of Jesus in our life that we call friends. And God, the people that we have in our lives that are good friends and they make us better, that when we think of them, we're grateful for them and they bring a smile to our face and we enjoy them. God, that we would be grateful to you about that, that we would be, God, grateful to them about that. Uh, God, that you would help us to step outside of whatever it is that keeps us from doing those things, that we'd be like Paul, we'd be grateful, we'd smile, we'd have a good time and enjoy life, full spectrum, the good times and the bad. And God, tell the people in our lives what they mean to us, express that, put it out there, get vulnerable. And God, we trust that in that joy, become part of our reality. So God, help us to do some of that this week. Help us to take one of those small steps this week, I pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said.